Friday night with Janice Wright. Praise the Lord. Pastor, you want to open us in prayer? I'm always stressful. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to come together in love and Father, in communication fellowship tonight. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we study this word tonight, that you would open up our hearts, so mind, and body, shed light on the very things that you are speaking to us personally. Help us to be able to leave here, Lord God, one step closer to being revived in you, abiding in you, walking in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, and abiding in one another in fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. I've got some notes I'm going to read off before we before we start reading. <coughs> the theme of the Bible is the servant of all, which is Jesus Christ. To be a servant of Christ is to seek his will in all things. Our primary desire every day as servants of Christ is to honor and glorify the one who, who bought our freedom from sin. This means we must die to self. Luke 9, 23. Renounce all, <clears throat> renounce all of our rights. Direct our, own, uh, direct our own lives towards Him. Just as an, a master in, in ancient times took on the responsibility of caring for his bond servant, so our Lord says that he will provide all we need when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I just wanted to, to share to, uh, to uh, as I was studying um, <clears throat> this uh, was to me it helped me to be thinking on this line as I was reading uh, our studying our, our are we willing to be a servant? <clears throat> so we'll begin now on, on uh, number eight. Nothing is clearer from the New Testament than that Jesus that than that our Lord Jesus expect, expect I can't I put this microphone down. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> <clears throat> Nothing is clearer from the from the New Testament than that the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to take the low position of servants. This is not just an extra obligation which we may or may not assume as we please. It is the very heart of the new relationship which the disciples is to take up up God and his fellows if if he is to know fellowship with Christ and any degree of holiness in his life. That's saying a mouthful. I read that over and over and over to try to get it to sink in. But that is that is so if we want fellowship with Christ, we've got we have to, and all of us want to have the fellowship with Christ to a degree of holiness in our life. We all want to be holy and have a holiness in our life. And so we've got to 
we've got to have that fellowship. We've got to learn what we what he's he's teaching us in this right here. What we on on chapter eight. We need to understand the humbling and self-emptiness that is involved in really being a servant. It becomes evident that only those who are prepared to live quiet, definitely under the shadow of Calvary, ever contemplating the, the humility and the brokenness of, of the Lord Jesus for, for us, will be willing for that position. That's saying a mouthful again. Um, and when you when you contemplate something, you look at it through, look at it thoughtfully and very, for a very long time. You look at it and 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 really realize the brokenness that he that he did because it goes on to explain um, of the Lord Jesus, the brokenness of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. We'll be willing for this position. We as we approach this subject. And its personal application in detail in our lives, there are three preliminary things we need to be said, which needs to be said to prepare us to understand the low and humbling position which he, he wants us to take. <clears throat> the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, two sorts of servants are mentioned. There are the hard servant, servant, who has wages paid to him, to them, and has certain rights. Then there are the bond servants or slaves who had no rights, who received no wages, and who had no appeal. The Hebrews were forbidden even to, even to make bond servants in their own race. Only the Gentiles were they permitted to take such, as such slaves. When, however, we come to the New Testament, the word in the Greek for the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is not hard service, but bond servant, by which is meant to be shown that our position is one where we, we have no rights, no appeal. We have the absolute property of, the, of our master to be treated and disposed of just as he wishes. Now, how many of us are that humble? Pride will rise up. A lot of things that go on, and 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 we and and we don't realize how 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 it's. That's why we're not walking. Well, that's why the body of Christ, I believe, is not being able to see the manifestation of the glory of God and all the things that we really want in, to happen. We come in church, and we see and people come in, and they need they need deliverance, they need help. And, and we can't give it to them because we are not what we're supposed to be at. That's true. And I want us to get there. And I'm telling y'all, if we can't get there with the teaching that Pastor Kip is teaching us with, we are never going to get there. Because he, I know he spends a lot of time studying the Word, but he is bringing it out and we sh we should we should uh, value every moment that we're able to soak up all the all the wisdom that God has given that man. And it, when Kip knows it's not him, we know it's not him. We know it's the Lord Jesus Christ because only way I can stand behind this podium right now is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I could not do, I know I could never do it in my own strength. And God gives us, He gives us people, and people are not really, flo people should be flocking here. Mm -hmm.
to get a hold of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Not what Pastor Kip Nass is saying, but what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through him. Because we are, we need to get, well, we need to be more serious. Now y'all got probably a lot more years than I've got. But to, to, to really, you know, grow in, because I'm 80 years old, but I might live, no telling, I might live to be 120. I don't know how old I'm gonna, but I wanna soak up everything that I can and learn all I can at, from, uh, from, uh, the, so I can live the life and we can, we can fellowship with one another. We can have what we need in, 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 we can walk in love. The, the main, the, the touch, decided to get it all in one word, love. We've got to learn that. Father, we, so on, we'll go on. Father, we, we, we shall see more clearly still what our position is to be when we understand that we are are to be bond servants of one who was himself willing to be bond servant. Nothing shows better than amazing humility of the Lord Jesus, whose servant we are to be. Then that, then that, though he was in the in the form of God, he counted not it not a prize to be on an equality with God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant without rights willing to be treated as the will of the Father and the mouth of, of men and, and the mouth of what men might decree. If, if only he, he might thereby serve man and bring them back to, to Christ. So all of this is so that we can bring, we can, we can bring other people to Christ. Right. The point is, is, is getting people born again and getting them where they're supposed to be at, helping them and ministering life to them and having, having the, uh, being able to have freedom like we've had here tonight with questions and, and, and asking questions and trying to understand why and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And, and you and I are to be bond servants of him who was, who was and always is a bond servant whose disposition is, is ever there of humility and whose activity is ever there of humbling himself to serve his creatures, creatures. He, he, how utterly low then is our true position. How this shows what, us what it means to be ruled by the Lord Jesus. So he's a servant to us. I mean, he's there to serve us. He's there to, to, to help us. Anybody got any, any comments or anything on what we've read so far? I think the first paragraph there. First three lines there is really important, but where it starts there, it says, uh, It's the very heart of the new relationship which the disciple is to take up to God and his fellows if he is the most fellowship with Christ and any degree of holiness in his life. So, like we've been saying, this whole book is a, about a new relationship with the Lord, a deeper relationship with God. Abiding with him, abiding with friends, and having the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us from all sin. So our prayer from this point on should be, Lord, help us to take the new heart of this new relationship. Take it up to God and to all of our fellows and always apply ourselves to what God would want and 
what we are to be in God's eyes to our people because it said right there if you're going to know the fellowship with Christ and any degree of holiness of his life you've got to do that you've got to have this heart of Being humble it means you you're you're not prideful. Meek and lowly. Meek and lowly. Meek, yeah. Meek is part of the word. means that you are always 100% of the time, seven days a week, 365 days a year, always aware of your own defect. And if you are always aware of your own defect, you ain't got time to be in nobody else's business because you're trying to deal with all your problems. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also like what it said there that where she finished up, how utterly low is our true position? How utterly low is our true position? A lot of us think that we should be up here, or we are up here. But the truth of the matter is, listen to this. God refused to be on, or Jesus refused to be on a level of equality with, with God. And he emptied himself of everything that he was. Took off his royal diadem. Nobody got to praise me. Took off his royal robe. Nobody has to recognize me in this position. I will come down as a lowly servant. I'm going to empty myself of everything I am, lay everything I am aside, and I'm going to step out of this position and go lower than I've ever been. We've got a long way to go. I think we got, well, I think we've allowed the devil to make us think we're in a higher position than what we really are. Yeah, do you really know what that verse means? All your righteousness is as a filthy rags. Do you know what that really says in the Hebrew? It's nasty, by the way. Do you know what it means? It means it don't matter how good you are, all your righteousness is equal to what you would do to a dirty, filthy, menstruous rag from a woman. 
and she was on her period. What will you do with it? You don't sit there and look at it and admire it. You definitely don't bring it up in the house and set it up in the house like it's a keepsake and frame it and all that <laughs> stuff, do you? No. What do you do? So that away. You get rid of it as quick as you possibly can. Yeah, so yeah. all your righteousness should be treated that way. <laughs> That's pretty good, baby, by the way. All right. Learning from the best. <laughs> you <answer for> it. <laughs> Second best. We all do. That, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is being a servant, you'll find out as you read in here, to being a servant, the position is on your knees. It's the only way you can be a servant. There's no other way. I mean, you know, I, I'm the pastor of this church, but each time I go before the Lord, I have to remind myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just as equal as anybody else here. There ain't nobody no better than me. I'm not no better than them. And if you don't keep that up, all in your head, you'll get prideful. So you know when we when you think about you know we're the righteousness of God. That to me, that causes me when I'm praying about something that I'm falling under. God sees me through Jesus, but that don't make me be. You know, like I'm supposed to be as far. To me, that scripture keep, causes me to be able to release my faith to receive from God. Other than that, we we can't walk around feeling like we are nothing. But we, but, but we've got to be the. We got to get to the. When we are trying to receive healing, we 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 have to look at be able to look the way Jesus sees us. God sees us through Jesus. But people take that scripture and miss. miss. Well, it makes you be grateful. Yes. You know, just like the word justified for years, I couldn't really grasp a hold of what the word justified actually meant. And a, a preacher one time was preaching. I'd been praying about it. I said, Lord, you need to reveal to me what the word justified means, you know. And um, he made a statement. He said, and y'all heard me say it. The word justified means that God treats you just like, just as if you had never seen mm -hmm. it. And when you sit there and you hear that and it hits you in your head and you say, wait a minute, I know I've sinned. I know probably the day I did. But the Lord's going to look at me like I haven't sinned. Then it causes you to be more grateful. Yeah, that makes you realize how... Mm -hmm. What Jesus has done. Realize, like she said, it humbles you because you realize, hey, you know, no matter how good I am, we, we just found out tonight. <laughs> one revelation we got tonight before we ever even up at the meeting is, man, we ain't as good as we thought we was, you know? And we've been serving the Lord a long time. When I think of the blood of Jesus, and he just, he takes me back to the cross even though I can get very yuck in in my everyday life and 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 it appears that I'm sometimes um unchrist like and I do be at times but but if if we 
if we don't keep looking at the blood of Jesus, what he went through when he spilled all that blood on Calvary for me. He did it for me. He did it for you. And, and it just, it, even though, I mean, no matter how, how <clears throat> obnoxious I become at times, that's the way that he gets me along. And he, and, and and we 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 have a confrontation, you know. He and I together, and he and he shows me and um, where where I'm falling short in some ways, and maybe where I've hurt someone unintentionally. Really, and you get so mad and and frustrated with your own self. Basically, I'm always go back here to self, right here to self. Because I truly believe my house has to have a cleaning 24-7. But, but, but see, sometimes I, I keep um, putting it off, putting it off. And I don't let him get, get me down and, and set me down and, and, and work on me. Um, and, and, you know, that's what the enemy wants. But then when he comes in there and, and I really work with him and he lets me work with him and, and he, he works on me, making me just what that little song says, what he wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Then I you know, then then I can kind of get back on the path, you know, get back on the right path. Because we take so much of his mercy and his grace mm -hmm. and his love for granted. Mm -hmm. We do. Then I have to have somebody come along and say, whoa, wake up here. Mm -hmm. Put stuff out like I just heard a few minutes ago. There, big Tosai came on me and, you know, just things I hadn't, I know, we know this, but we just, just every day, let it, let it take us for granted. Mm -hmm. Let it take us for the wrong, the wrong ride when we know where we should be. We don't want people... Children of God don't want to say I'm sorry. They don't want to say forgive me. But you, there's not too many days go by you've got that you don't have to say that to somebody somehow, some way. But most, most assuredly to to the Father because of the blood. Amen. And that keeps you. Hardness comes in easy. Very. Does not leave easy because we won't allow it to. It could leave easier than than really what we think, but because we're the way we are, and sometimes that's obnoxious, that's unforgiving. You sit and pat and think that you are uh, that I am all right, that that everything's fine, and and uh, he might have said or done something, <coughs> or you know. I'm not even going to say those negative words. I'm trying myself, but I've got to. I've got to let the Holy Spirit help me and let the blood of Jesus just keep right on cleansing me and making me whole, and and let that light shine more and more every day, so that the darkness can totally clean this vessel out, so that I can have revival. Amen. Well, you know the the the, the um, 
uh, binding and loosing is a good thing. I, you know, just, I loose myself from this in Jesus' name. You know, you from um, being the way we are, and that does help me because if I find myself you know, like failing, then I ask the Lord to forgive me, and I loose myself from the very root cause of why I'm the way I am or why, why, why I'm struggling. Because there's so many ways that when we get in the Word and know what the Word says can help us get what we want to get. And I don't want to get into a procedure and a plan and a process. I want to get even lower than that. You know, we can come in and, well, you know, like, just say like in the in a Catholic Church. You know, they, they go in and they do their I don't want all that form and fashion. I want realness. Amen. And I just, I just don't. I can say I'm sorry, but do I mean I'm sorry? And I can say, Lord, forgive me, but it's not true if I'm going right back and running my mouth and spouting off and saying the same. I think where the, the scripture comes in place says your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak. Yes. And I believe that's the big issue. I think everybody down deep their spirit would be willing but when to apply is really a hard thing to do and I think the reason why we have a problem applying it is we try too hard to apply it. If we're abiding in the light, as he's in the light, he's there with us. He's the one that's revealing it. He's the one that says, I'll take care of the problem. But then we see, well, I've got to take care of the problem. And we jump in and we start messing it up. And it don't work well. Um, If the Lord allows me to Sunday night or or Sunday morning, uh, it's basically built on the fact that what do you do when church don't work? You know, you've done everything that everybody's telling you to do and church ain't working. What, what do you do then? And it comes to God rolling away the dark cover and saying, all right, a servant is in every relationship that you're in, you take the low position. That's hard. To say you do that all the time. But I'm telling you, I love my Uncle Billy. But in a few minutes talking to him, I would be ready to take the higher position over him because of, of his strong beliefs. And I, the Lord would definitely have to, to help me through that in a deep conversation with him, a heart-to-heart talk. And so many times I've talked to him and took the lower position, you know. Um, and, and then when you leave, here, here's another thing. Then when you leave, you've took the lower position. You've heard that, be the better person. Mm-hmm. And then you go riding away down the road and say, well, I was the better person today. <laughs> and you just blew everything you just done. <laughs> you just took the high position back again. <laughs> oh, next paragraph said, that leads us to something further. Our servanthood to the Lord Jesus is to express itself in our servanthood to our fellows. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 
the low position we take toward the Lord, Jesus is judged by him by the low position we take our relationship with our fellow. And unwillingness to serve others in costly, humbling ways, he takes to be an unwillingness to serve him. And we thus put ourselves out of fellowship with him. So you go in there through the idea, talking to that person, and it hits you, I got to be the better person today, I got to take the lower position today. You take the lower position and then you start telling somebody about the relationship or the conversation and you let that other person know, well, I took the low position, I was the better person. Were you the better person? No, you weren't the better person because you let somebody else know how bad they were. So you was out of fellowship with them. You know, we do that easily with family members, don't we? Yeah. I mean, they're seemingly number one person. That we There's get. a reason why you'll find that out Sunday. Start running this wrong. You feel like this. You are my church family, definitely. But are you really my acquaintance? You, you can say, I ain't going to see Kip no more. I ain't going to have to do nothing other else with Kip the rest of his life. And so did. That woman up there can't say that. I'm her nephew, and it don't matter whether she likes me or she loves me or she hates me or she likes to see me or she don't or she wants to kill me. I'm still her nephew. And that's who the Lord is going to use to better you and who the devil is going to try to destroy you, to destroy you. It's the people that is what they are. I tell Tina all the time, she's your sister. I don't care what you think, she's your sister. I got a brother that way. I have to, Lord, he's my brother. Help me, Jesus. And they found him, and he's all right. Thank you, Lord. But look at that. It said, the way that you show your servanthood to Jesus is how you take a position in your relationship with other people. And when you're unwilling to serve other people, God takes it as an unwillingness to serve him and you wind up being out of fellowship with him. Uh, if this don't get us to thinking what we are. <laughs> Any more comments before we read again? <laughs> All righty. We are now in a position to apply all this much more personally to our lives. God spoke to me some time ago through Luke 17, 7 through 10. But which of, but which of you having a servant plowing in the, or feeding cattle will say to him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird myself and serve me till I have eaten and drinken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. 
Does he think that servant, does he think that servant because he did these things that were commanded of him? I tried not. So, likewise, when you, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe that preacher treated me like that way. I, I vacuumed and kept that church clean. I went to that church and I paid my tithe. I led the women. I led the men. I was the piano player there for 25 years. That preacher done me like he done me. It don't matter what you do. You ain't doing it for the preacher anyway. Amen. Because God commanded you to do it. Mm. Pointing those fingers. Making an issue. Digging the hole deeper. <clears throat> okay. Any more comments before we read on? I see here five marks of the bondservant. First of all, he must be willing to have... To have one thing on top of another put upon him without any consideration being given him. On top of a hard day in the field, the servant in this parable had immediately to prepare his master's meal. And on top of that, he had to wait at table. And all that be before he had any food himself. He just went and did it, mm -hmm. expecting nothing else. How unwilling we are for this. How quickly there are murmuring and bitterness in our hearts when that sort of thing is expected of us. But the moment we start murmuring, we are acting as if we, as if we had rights, and a bondservant has no rights. Man, we can't complain about nothing <laughs> or anything. Secondly, is doing... In doing this, he must be willing not to be thanked for it. Mm. How often we serve others, but what self-pity we have in our hearts, and how bitterly we complain that they that they take it as a matter of of, of, cor of course and do not thank us for it. But a bond servant must be willing willing for that. Hard servant, hard servants may expect something, but not bond servants. If we don't expect something out of anybody, we're so, you know, we're growing. <laughs> and thirdly, having done all this, he must not, must not charge uh, the other with selfishness. As I read the pa this passage, I could not but feel that the master was rather selfish and inconsiderate. But there is no such there is no such charge from this bondservant. He exists to serve the, the interests of his master and his selfness, selfishness or, or otherwise of his master does not come into him with it, it, into it with him. But we, we can perhaps allow ourselves to be put upon by others and are willing perhaps not to be thanked for what we do yet how we charge the other in our minds with selfishness. 
But that is not the place of a bondservant. He is to find the selflessness of others, but further up, but a further opportunity to identify himself afresh with his Lord as a servant of all. Man. Mm. There is, however, a fourth step still to which we must go. Having done all that, there is no ground for pride or self-congratulations. But we must confess that we are unprofitable servants. That is, that we are of no real use to God or man in ourselves. We must confess again and again that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That is, if we have that that no good thing. That if we had acted thus, it is no thanks to, to us whose hearts are naturally proud and stubborn, but only the Lord Jesus who dwells in us and who has made us willing. So it's Jesus. We've got to depend on him. All about him helping us. The bottom of self is quite knocked out by the fifth and last step, the ignition that doing and, and bearing what we have in, a, in the way of meekness and humility, we have not done one, one stitch more than what, what was our duty to do. Amen. Mm. God made man in the first place simply that he might be God's bond servant. <clears throat> Man's sin has simply considered, consisted in his refusal to be God's bondservant. He, his restoration can be that only a restoration to the position of bondservant. Man then has not done anything specially meritorious when he has consisted to take this position consented to take this position. He, for he was created and redeemed for that very thing. <coughs> this then is the way of the cross. It is the way that only God's, it is the way that God's lowly bondservant first trod for us. And should not we, the bondservant of the bondservant, tr- tread it still? Does it seem hard and forbidding that that way down, be, be assured it is the only way up. It was the way by which the Lord Jesus reached the throne, and it is the way by which we too reached a place of spiritual power, authority, and fruitfulness. Thus, who, those who tread this path are radiant, happy souls, overflowing with the life that, that of our Lord of our Lord. They have found he that humbleth himself shall be exalted to be true for them as for their as for their Lord. Where before humility was an unwelcome intruder to put up with only on occasions, she has now become 
the spouse of their soul, to whom they have wedded themselves forever. If darkness and unrest enter their souls, it is only because somewhere, on some point, they have unwillingly to walk with her in the path of meekness and brokenness. But she is ever ready to welcome them back into her company as they seek her face in repentance. Any comments? <clears throat> this brings us to all the all-important matter of repentance. We shall not enter into a we shall not enter into more abundant life merely by resolving that we shall be humble in the future. Mm. There are attitudes and actions which have already taken place and are still being persisted in, if only by our unwillingness to apologize for them. That must first be repented of. That must first be repented of. The Lord Jesus Christ does not take upon him the form of a bond servant merely to, to give us an example, but that he might die for those who's, for the, those very sins upon the cross and open, uh, and open a fountain in his precious blood where they can all be washed away. That blood, however, cannot be applied to the sins of our proud heart until we have broken in re until we have been broken in repentance over what has already happened and over what we already are. This will mean this will mean allowing the light of God to go through every part of our hearts and every part of our relationships. It will mean that we we shall have to see that the sins of pride, which God will show us, make it necessary for Jesus to made it necessary for Jesus to come from heaven and die on the cross that they might be forgiven. It will mean all, not only asking Him to forgive us, but asking others too. That will be humbling, indeed. But as we crawl through the door of the broken ones, we'll Im we we shall Im image into into light the light of, of glory of the highway of holiness and humbleness. Has anybody here ever had to apologize to someone for what they've done? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. what, about, what about you doing something to somebody and it went? Many days, many months before you apologize. Did you have, has that happened? Mm -hmm. How did you apologize to them? Uh, let's say it's been a year since you've done something, done something wrong. Then you finally get up the courage to go to them, talk to them, and tell them that you're sorry. How did you apologize to them? How do you start it out? I normally say, uh, I, I can't move on until I can get this off me and clear my soul, my conscience. Okay. I've done that. And you take the blame yourself. Have you ever looked at the person, a 
said, I've been unwilling to apologize to you, and I'm sorry for that. Not like that, no. <laughs> no. That brings us to the all-important matter of repentance. We shall not enter into a more abundant life merely by resolving that we're going to be hungry in the future. There are attitudes and actions which have already taken place and are still being persisted in that must first be repented of and in paragraph in parentheses he said if it's only our unwillingness to apologize to them. so although you go and you apologize for your actions how often do you go and apologize for your attitude mm -hmm. you ever apologize for your attitude Oh, I'm yes. sorry, ain't that coming yes. from my attitude? Nope. I'm sorry and, uh, for being uh, ugly. I, I knew. Like with Ned, sometimes we sometimes we'll get ag aggravated with each other. She'll say something, I'll fly mad, and I'll say something out, out the way, and then I'll go back and apologize. I apologize for my attitude, but you struck me. You ever, you ever had somebody get mad with you, and you don't know why they got mad? You didn't do nothing at yeah. that point in time that caused oh, yeah. them to get mad? What they got mad about has nothing to do with what happened right then. It's the attitude that has been predominant for a long period of time. Oh, snowballed up or something. Oh, yeah. It just snowballed up and put it down. If you don't go ahead and give it and repent and give it to God, let God work it out, things just snowball. And then you can't get the snowball. If, if you are unwilling in any way, shape, or form, Except the fact that you have a distorted, negative, hurtful attitude toward another person. Your just your presence can make them lose it. Can make them lose it. In part of it. And it won't be that you've done a thing. And you know that's why I say a lot a lot of times there was you to see very few church members that will actually get up in the house of God and really apologize to the whole church at times. And sometimes the whole church needs to apologize to one another. You know what I mean? Second fish fault one to another. But you don't see that very much going on no, in too many churches because of the attitude huh? and unwillingness. And he said there when you go to talk to them. We more likely go and tell them, hey, I'm sorry for what I said or what I did. But do we ever apologize for the attitude that caused us to do what we did and what we said? Yeah. Here's what we say. Mm -hmm. If I did anything to no, hurt you. I don't like that word. Or, I had another thought in my head. I have. I'm, I, I lost my talk train. Well, maybe the if don't sound so good because it's like, well, I probably didn't do yeah. nothing, but if I did, well, if you knew you made probably make an excuse for it, or you know you did, or it, it sounds prideful. My mama taught me something. My mama taught me something in, in 
were given one time. And she was wrong. She apologized. And I've had some issues in my life. And it's hard. It's hard for people to apologize. It really is. I understand that. But she had done, I'm not going to sit here and elaborate what she said, but she had done something wrong. And when she comes to talk to me about it, she shut the door and she turned around and she says, now I know when me and you go to talking, our voices get raised up. She says, so don't say no. I said, okay, mom. She said, the first thing I want to tell you is I want to tell you that I have harbored an attitude about this thing and you for a long period of time. She said, oh, I told you a certain thing. I can't get into it. But I, I told you a certain thing, and I didn't feel like you listened to me or you respected me. And because I didn't feel like you didn't respect me, she said, I have harbored a bad attitude about things for months. She said, and when I did what I did, it was not because I was trying to hurt you, because I had an attitude. And she said, I want you to forgive me for my attitude, and I want you to forgive me for my action. And that taught me something. That taught me that you, when you're really, truly sorry, you can say, I'm sorry all day long. And there's people, you know, they'll say, I'm sorry a lot. A lot of people can say, I'm sorry a lot. But they never apologize or repent of the attitude and what that taught me was that when we go before the Lord and we have the attitude uh, we, we always want to go before the Lord and say Lord I'm sorry I did so and so or I didn't do so so mm -hmm. we never go before him and say Lord I'm sorry for this pride in my attitude and then he said in that last chapter where he said the blood of Jesus Christ cannot be applied to a proud heart. What's a proud heart? If you got your phone there, look at the word proud. Self-confused. Let me ask you something before we go there. What's restitution? Restitution. Restoring back what you took away. So, restitution, one that's really sorry attitude, the action, and everything would do whatever is necessary to restore back what they damaged or took away. But a proud person, and the word proud means to have a feeling of satisfaction of your own achievement or your own quality or of something that somebody close to you is associated with, or to have a higher opinion of yourself than another person, 
to give yourself pleasure, satisfaction, or to make yourself happy because you did something that someone else would not do. So have you ever told someone you're sorry and come away thinking that you were the better person for that? <laughs> Have you ever told anyone you were sorry and felt like that you've done better than they did because you apologized? You apologized to somebody, but they didn't apologize back to you. I've heard almost every one of us say, well, she didn't apologize to me, but I apologized to her. What is that? It's a feeling of satisfaction of your own quality. Pride. And God's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse a proud heart. Cannot do it. So that brings up a good question we're going to close tonight with this. What if you got two prideful people, two proud people involved in a situation And one tries, as we'll call it, to be the better person and come to apologize or tries to rectify, and the other person refuses to do so. What do you do then? Get out the belt. Get out the handy-dandy uh, boat paddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I don't know. Ain't much you can do. Pray for them. Yeah. Well, then, if, how would God handle it? I don't know. He'll handle it when he gets ready. They get ready and he gets ready. Get somebody from the church that, that'll listen to you, won't judge you, and try to help you through it and coach you. The Bible says if you have an all against a brother, because it's really important for you to have fellowship with another. <laughs> that you go one-on-one -on -one with that person first or attempt to. And a lot of y'all know there's people you cannot talk to. I don't care whether they feel hard at you, if they conceive you've done something wrong when they're angry or harbor a grudge, you cannot talk to them. You just can't do it. So the Bible says you go to that person and you talk to them one-on-one. -on -one and try to rectify the situation. And then if it's not settled, you try to, you go with two or three witnesses. And you try to rectify it. And if that don't happen, then you carry it to the church. And the church is supposed to try it. That's how God takes care of it. So the question comes in is, what do you do when maybe you said or did something that was taken the wrong way, you never meant it that way, but it was said or taken that way, and the person was so deeply hurt that they held a grudge against you, and what happened is other people had got involved 
people's got involved in it and they're pumping them with information that turns out not to be true. Mm -hmm. So they took a little mountain or a little molehill and blowed it way out of proportion. And this person is the type of person that you cannot talk with them face to face. If you sit down and try to talk to them, they won't look at you. You can sit there and talk to you blue in the face, they're not going to hear you. Well, you got several of those in your church. So, so, so what do you do? So, um, the only thing you can do is write them a letter. That's the only thing you can do. You write them a letter and try to spark conversation. They don't do that. Then the second thing you do is you call the closest person to them in their life, the one that has the most authority over their emotion. I've done that before and, and was accused of trying to start problems between you and the other person. It never be like, you, you will. It, it, it will. you got to pray through this is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. The next step would be and, and let's just use it. Let's just say Betty's married and I've said or did something that hurts Betty's feeling and Betty's this type of person I can't talk to. Try to talk to her. She's gonna raise her voice at me. She's gonna grumble at me. She's gonna at me. <laughs> so I know not to have a scene. The best thing I can do is to try to write Betty a letter. So I write Betty a letter, and I end the letter by saying, "Okay, if I haven't heard anything from you on this topic within a certain period of time, um, then I'll realize that I need to do more or whatever." So Betty's married. Betty is hard-headed. She ain't going to pay attention to nothing that I say. So the next thing I have to do is if she's married, her husband is supposed to be the person that has more control over her emotions than any other earthly person that there is in the world. So I am to call her, him and to talk to him, not tell the problem to, but tell them, tell him, uh, I'm, I'm really hurt that Betty is hurt. I want to be able to talk to her. And anything that you can do to help me be able to get her to listen, I would greatly appreciate it. Let's say you do that. The person still don't want to talk to you. The next thing is, well, I've got to carry it before the church. But then the person refused to come to church. What do you do? Let him go. Huh? Let him go. Just like frozen. Well, in a sense, what you're saying is the truth, but that's not really the truth. Let, let's say this is a family yeah, member around. that is your family. And it don't matter what Eviana does, she's still your daughter. Mm -hmm. And let's say this is Eva that we're talking about. What do you do at that point? She she won't respond to your letter. She won't respond to the person that's the closest thing in the world. Um, and she, she won't come and sit down and talk with the preacher or talk with the church. What do you do then? Well, I'm certainly not going to be at her feet begging her. I'm going to pray for her and just say, well, when you're ready, I'm, I'm willing 
not me. I still love you regardless. What what advice would you give somebody else who was in a situation like that, yeah? Would you say that person that has wrote the letter 